I'm so glad you're here. It's a great week. Um, we're going to keep the kids for a little bit because we have a child dedication. Um, thank you. Uh, this morning. So if you're participating in that, please come on up. Feel free to bring your extended family, your other kids, whatever you want. You bring them because we're all about it. We are crazy about children here at Bethany. Why? Because God is crazy in love with children. and, And that's what we want to to show you. In Psalm 127.3, says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. And since God uh, has told us that children are a gift from him, um, they ultimately belong to him. So these parents, it's wonderful. Nobody want to stand up. That's okay. That's okay. We love you. These parents want to recognize that and celebrate that and dedicate their children back to Jesus. And, and that's so great. And, um, and that, what they're doing today is, is akin to what um, you know, our, our Catholic friends do with baby baptism. But we wait until um, somebody is a believer to, uh, and old enough to understand the gospel uh, to baptize them. But this is what parents do um, to dedicate and, and say, we're going to come around our kids. We're going to have a gospel saturated home. We want our kids to have the same wonderful uh, relationship with Jesus that we have. So uh, I want you to meet some of the people I am so excited about. David, Jessica, you're here. You can just, why don't you introduce your family and then move over to this side. Go ahead. So my name's Dave Robbins. This is my wife, Jessica. Yeah. My three-year-old's name is Elizabeth. And she's all three, as you might find out. We'll see. Hopefully she'll hang in with us. And then this is our other daughter. Daughter, she is Hannah, but goes by Hannah Bell. Hannah Bell. And she's five months old. Okay. Now, just move down there. I have to tell you, Elizabeth, I almost wore those same sandals. You are rocking them, though. You really are. How about Robbie and Elise? Come on over here. Go ahead. My name's Robbie Richardson, and uh, this is my wife, Elise, and our little girl, Brooklyn. She is 14 months, and uh, I think she's pretty amped up. She's been kind of uh, full of energy this morning, so hopefully we can get through this. If you ever sit near them during worship, she gets going. Yes. You're a worshiper. Okay, slide on down. How about the Herreras? Let's, Jordan, you're on, man. All right. I'm Jordan Herrera. This is my wife, Becky, and our daughter, Lexi. We have two other kids, Trace and JC, and we're straight to dedicate her today. Oh, we are so glad. You are about the cutest thing going. Yes, you know it, too. How about the Skokens? Yeah. <clears throat> I'm Justin Skokin. This is my wife, Sherilyn, and this is our daughter, Ella. She's three. And we have two other kids, Will and Whitney. Okay, great. Scoot on now. Let's beat the Petersons. You want to do this? Okay. I'm Jason, and this is my wife, Jessica Peterson, and this is our daughter, Haley. She goes by Haley Bug most of the time. Haley Uh, Bug? She is 15 months old. All right. She's a cutie. And the rights. Come on, my buddy. All right. That was a pun. Go ahead. That's good. Uh, I'm Josh Wright. This is my wife, Kelly. This is our nine-month-old boy, Cullen. And we have a five-year-old in the crowd there trying to take pictures. His name's Brady. All right. We are so, so, so proud and glad. Um, So I want to share with you uh, the words of uh, a pastor, Frank Powell. He said, parents, you're painting a portrait of God for your children every day, every day. Every word, action, and conversation is a brushstroke. And when your children prepare to leave home, and that seems like a long time from now, I'm here to tell you it's not. They are staring at a portrait of God that you have helped paint. 
A portrait that shapes their actions and decisions about faith moving forward. So you have this beautiful and and heavy um, responsibility. And so what we do today um, is as much about committing parents as it is. I'm getting really messed up here. Okay. It's really as much about committing parents as it is dedicating children. So what we are going to do is we are going to um, do a prayer, a vow of dedication. And so I'll read it for all of us. And if you parents would respond by saying, we do. So that these children may walk in the abundant life that Christ offers. Do you, parents, vow by God's help to be faithful in your calling as members of the body of Christ to help, oh, this is, this is the other one. Sorry, sorry. We need the, the prayer of day. So that your children may walk in the abundant life that Christ offers. Do you parents vow by God's help and in partnership with the church to provide your child with a Christian home of love, joy, and peace and to raise him or her in the truth of the Lord's word and to encourage him or her to one day trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. If you do, please respond by saying we do. All right. All right. Thank you for your patience with me. Now we're going to work from this side over. We had asked parents to um, write a letter um, that would... Why don't you step up front? Because what we're going to do is they had written a letter to their children. We've, we've asked them to share that here. And then we're going to anoint and dedicate your child. Go ahead, Josh. Colin, you are nine months old now and have been a wonderful blessing given to us by God. You have been a great addition to make us a family of four. Today we commit to raising you under God's protection. God has blessed our family in many ways. He is our great provider. There are three things that he provides that I deem will be the most important in your life. They are your salvation, your spouse, and your own family. These are three gifts that will shape shape your life more than anything else. We will be praying for those blessings throughout your life. That is it. That is it. Okay, so this is actually how we're going to do it. So when we bring you forward, if the mom would hold hold the baby, the father, well, this is all, this symbolizes the love and the nurture of faith that you provide. And as father, you are the spiritual leader of your family. So I'm going to ask you to take this oil of, of dedication and put it on your thumb. And you would repeat after me as you trace the sign of the cross on Cullen's forehead. Cullen. Repeat after me. Cullen. Cullen. In the name of the Father. In the name of the Father. And of the Son. And of the Son. And of the Holy Spirit. And of the Holy Spirit. I dedicate you to the Lord. I dedicate you to the Lord. Okay. There you go. There you go. Amen. Step back because we're going to need you. Let's bring the Petersons forward. Jess. Haley, we love you and are so blessed to be your mom and dad. God has trusted us and called us to be your parents. Your smile is absolutely contagious and you fill our hearts with joy every day. We were both blessed to be raised in Christian homes and with Jesus as our guide, we are going to do our best to provide one for you. You already bring us your Bible to read and explore God's word. And as you continue to grow and the stresses and challenges of this world try to lead you astray, we will pray with you. And help you stay on the path that he has chosen for you. While reflecting on scripture in preparation for today, Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13 really stuck out to us. Uh, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. Then you will call on me and come to me and pray, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. None of us are perfect in this world, and that's why we pray that you find Jesus who is our light and guides us through the darkness of this life. Even though you don't understand the purpose of this dedication right now, we want to publicly affirm 
that we are following Jesus and surrender you to him, that he will continue to protect and mold you into who you will become. Um, we also liked Proverbs 22, 6, where it says, start your children off the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Our prayer is that you find Jesus on your own someday and you start to build a relationship that will fill your life with more joy and happiness than you could ever imagine. No matter where the Lord takes you or what path he puts you on, we will always be right there beside you and are more proud of you than anyone else. We love you. Ah, that is it. That is it. Thank you, Jessica. If you would hold Haley. Jason, if you would take the oil of dedication on your thumb and repeat... Wait, I want to get this so that people can hear you. <laughs> Haley. Haley. In the name of the Father. In the name of the Father. And of the Son. And of the Son. And of the Holy Spirit. And of the Holy Spirit. I dedicate you to the Lord. I dedicate you to the Lord. Amen. Yes. Thank you. And you can step back. Will you be? Re- okay. Justin. Yeah, there you go. Mine's much shorter than everybody else's because I knew I'd blubber like this, so. Ella, God has blessed us and our lives by giving you to us all the trials and tribulations we went through to have you. The gift of you and your love, a never-ending love. Is amazing. The only gift your mother and I could give you in return is the gift of knowing God and his never-ending love for you. This is why we chose to dedicate you today. Justin, that is the heart of our Father God that, that weeps over children, that loves them, that longs for them. Thank you for showing that to us. If you would take the oil of dedication on your thumb and repeat after me, Ella. Ella. In the name of the Father. In the name of the Father. And of the Son. And of the Son. And of the Holy Spirit. And of the Holy Spirit. I dedicate you to the Lord. I dedicate you to the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Becky, it looks like you got the job, huh? Okay. Thank you. Lexi, today we stand here among our friends and our family to dedicate your life to God, just as we have done with JC and Trace. We dedicate you not only because we think it is the right thing to do, but because you are God's. Before you were born, we prayed over your growing body, heart, and soul every day. We pray you would grow up to be the most amazing God-fearing woman that God created you to be. There will be times in this life that are difficult, and as your parents, we won't always get it right. But our love for you will never fail, only grow in its abundance and strength. We recognize, that daily, we recognize and daily acknowledge that we are only able to love you because we are loved so deeply by our Creator. We promise to raise you and surround you with friends and family who love you with the same God-given love that we do. We promise that as you grow and make mistakes of your own, that we will have grace for you as God's grace for us. We pray that God gives us strength and as your parents to always and ever direct your life in the ways of Christ. Today we dedicate your life to God that you may learn to love and trust him in all that you do. Thank you. What a great example. What a great example of a godly woman to, for her to grow into. So Jordan, as you take the oil of dedication onto your thumb, if you would um, repeat after me, Lexi. Lexi. In the name of the Father. In the name of the Father. And of the Son. And of the Son. And of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit. I dedicate you to the Lord. I dedicate you to the Lord. Amen. Amen, sweetie. Yes. Robbie and Elise. I'm only reading a short bit because it's kind of long. <clears throat> Today you're being dedicated to the Lord. To me, this means that your daddy and I are making a commitment to you, to our family and friends, and to God that we will honor him in raising you to know and love him. We will continually pray for wisdom, direction, and discernment on how to let our lives be the example that points you to Christ. We will acknowledge that though you are our baby, you truly belong to God the Father. He has entrusted us to you for this short time on earth so that you could enrich our lives with knowledge of how deeply God loves. He has commanded us to raise you up 
to love him so you can choose for yourself to experience the deep, unfailing love that God has for you through Jesus Christ. That's beautiful. That's wonderful. Okay. If you would switch. Yes. Robbie, if you would take the oil of dedication on your thumb and repeat after me. Brooklyn. Brooklyn. In the name of the Father. In the name of the Father. And of the Son. And of the Son. And of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit. I dedicate you to the Lord. I dedicate you to the Lord. Amen. Amen. God God bless you, sweet girl. Yes. And the Robins. All right, so we're going to give you an excerpt to um, okay. keep it uh, simple and short. Yeah. Uh, Elizabeth and Hannah, we've prayed for you girls ever since you were created. You each have added to our little family in such a way that we never could imagine. The joy we receive watching you grow cannot be compared. This gives us a glimpse into our Father's love for us all. The world can be a frightening, tempting, sad place, but all the same beautiful. We know the best way we can do is to equip you to take the world on through the one who overcome the world. Always be clothed in the full armor of God, and the evil one will always stay under your feet. Whenever you feel sad, alone, confused, angry, always circle back to Christ, whom we can have full confidence in. God is preparing a heavenly home for us. Let's go together. Let's guide as many brothers and sisters as we can on the way. Amen. Yeah. Okay, as you take the oil of dedication. Okay, please repeat after me. Elizabeth. Elizabeth. In the name of the Father. In the name of the Father. And of the Son. And of the Son. And of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit. I dedicate you to the Lord. I dedicate you to the Lord. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. You did great. Hannah. Hannah. In the name of the Father. In the name of the Father. And of the Son. And of the Son. And of the Holy Spirit. And of the Holy Spirit. I dedicate you to the Lord. I dedicate you to the Lord. Oh, sweetie. All right. Let's hear it for him. Thank you, guys. This is a picture of the gospel. This is the picture of family the way that God intended it to be. If you're a young family, man, this is the place to be because this is fertile ground to be encouraged and blessed. I just want, as we go forward, for you guys to remember everything that you prayed, everything that you've longed for, and keep these guys and guard their lives. And in these days, try to keep them from being too busy to follow Jesus. All right. Now, um, we have some other things for you. We're going to give them to you. Um, one is a children's Bible and a certificate of dedication. You're going to bring those out? Let's go to the Herrera's right. Now, there's an envelope there with a letter to you from me explaining a little bit more about today. And then there's a letter in there to your child. We'd ask that you would read it, but keep it in a safe place until the day when they make their personal faith commitment to Jesus Christ. It will congratulate them and point them back to your faithfulness in this day and all the time in between and and let them know. So finally, before we give you the opportunity to sit down and go to children's church or nursery or wherever, they have the primary responsibility as parents to um, raise their kids in loving Jesus, but they also need the help and the encouragement of a church, of a gospel community. And so we want to be there for them. We want to commit to them. So this is a a prayer of commitment, a vow of commitment for the church, and that you would willingly, and this is up to you, say we do if this is your heart. This is what we want. So that these children may walk in the abundant life that Christ offers. Do you, church, vow by, with God's help to be faithful in your calling as members of the body of Christ to help these parents be faithful to God and help love and guide them and their children in the ways of the Lord so that one day they may trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord and follow him all the days of their lives. And if you're willing, say, we do. We do.
Amen. Amen. Now, if anybody wants to join us, let's gather together. We're going to say a prayer of blessing over these families. Lord, thank you. Thank you for moms and dads who love you. Thank you for the gift of children, which we cherish, Lord. And, and what a beautiful, great responsibility to raise them up, always looking to you, always trusting you, always believing. And Lord, you are all about holding families together. And now throughout their lives, in their homes, and in, in your kingdom, Lord, and for all eternity, may you hold them together in you, in Jesus' name. We all pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. You are free to go. And now, children, maybe dismissed for Children's Church. Yay. All right. Thank you, guys. Couldn't be more proud. Could not be more proud. Okay. We try to keep the torture to a minimum. We do. We do. All right. So, you say, after that, do we really need a message? Um, yes. No, well, <laughs> this will be a shorter one, I, I promise. I just heard somebody say, I doubt it. That hurts. <laughs> that hurts. That hurts. So, we, we just had a child dedication, right? We just had parents saying that the thing they want most for their kids, the thing they long for deepest, is that their children would enjoy the same beautiful, freeing, saving, joyful, empowering love relationship with Jesus that that they have. They want this most, more than they want their child to find um, the person that they're to marry, more than they want their child to find the work or vocation or calling that, that they're uniquely gifted and designed to do, more than they hope that their child will have enough means and, and material and, 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 and income to meet their needs. They want that relationship with Jesus. But these kids, if you're, if you're anywhere near my age, you know that it's like you take a nap and they grow up. You know, they're not always going to be in your arms, right? I mean, by the book, love you forever, right? Happens, happens fast. And then they grow up and they become like our Western students, right? That age. And that is why we love, love Love our Western students. And we are about to get this church more than doubles in size um, starting next week. And we could not be more happy about it. Because when your children are on their own, we don't want them to be on their own without Jesus Christ. And so Bethany is honored to be a church that has been called to love and serve and bless and, and encourage and, and build up the, the college students at, at Western. That's our calling. That's our privilege. That's our, that's our passion. Now, the little kids and the parents and the big kids and the, and the young adults and the seniors pouring into them. We're intergenerational community. And that's, that's what we want. So um, we want people who are on their own to never be truly on their own. And so um, that's why we do this crazy thing that we do um, the Sunday after classes start. And classes are what, Tuesday? Monday? Oh my goodness, tomorrow. We, the Sunday after classes start at Western, we shut this place down. We shut it down and bring all that we are, all of our stuff over to Western's campus and we do a service, a celebration service there on the Quigley Quad and Quigley Bandshell. Um, if you don't know where that is, just stick around. We'll give you directions. So, um, and we also roast a pig that weighs more than I do. So um, it's just a way of showing love, right? Um, Jesus fed people, right? Let's be clear about that. So he fed people's stomachs so that he could communicate that he really wants to feed their souls. So that's what we want to do. And rather than saying to um, 
Western students, hey, hey guys, come on over here to where we are. I want to say, we want to go to where you are in your place and in your context. We want to love and serve and bless you there. So the message here, don't come here next Sunday. Do not, because nobody will be here. It'll be the shortest service you ever had. (laughs) And you want to go. Like some of our families um, plan other things for that. Don't. And and you'll see why. Um, It is such a blessing. It's such a wonderful, wonderful thing. We're going to be over there at 1030. We're going to do a 1030 service because that becomes the, the Western service. So the week after, you can come here. We do the 9 o'clock, which is mostly families. Um, we still have children's church, right? And then at 10.30, um, the average age goes way down, way down. And we're mostly Western students, although anybody's welcome. And we do the college lunch following the 10.30 service. But here's what we're going to do next week. Here's what it looks like. The celebration, pig roast. Here's our promotional flyer. You're going to see it in the shopper this week. It's in the Western Welcome. Um, If you want to download this material um, to put on your um, social media feeds, uh, just check out the the last week's uh, newsletter. We'll get that to you uh, so that you can put this on. We are doing the pig roast. We're doing the big celebration. Uh, it's, it's a new sermon series of six weeks called iPhone. What your phone says about you. And uh, the, the, what it says is your phone knows all about Not just the bizarre places you've talked and texted on it. It knows your deepest joys, your longings, needs, and how you try to meet them. So um, this is what we're going to do. We're going to have a raffle for a free iPhone 7. Um, so we want to encourage every Western student, every community member, anybody who might be creeped out by walking through the front doors of a church to have an easier time to walk onto the campus, bring a lawn chair, relax, be blessed, be fed, be encouraged, and be exposed to the God who is trying to get in touch with you. He's preaching about iPhones. I don't think he's a real pastor. Look, I feel you. I do. There's many days when I don't feel like a real pastor. But our conversation about smartphones is just the beginning of the conversation. We're going to look at the central part of our lives that phones have. And what they can reveal to us about ourselves, about what our deepest needs and greatest longings are. And we can be honest about the crazy ways that we look to our phones to try to meet those deepest needs and greatest longings. And we can take a look at how God, how Jesus wants to meet those deepest needs and greatest longings in a way that no technology ever can. And we want them to get in touch with the God who's trying to get a hold of them. This is just another on-ramp to Jesus, another on-ramp to the gospel. The message never changes. The method always does because culture always does. Woe to us if we change the message but we will not see fruit if we continue to speak in a language that our culture can't understand. So that's what we want to do. We have these um, handouts for you. You can come get these. Um, and, and like I said again, um, we want to uh, blast this all over social media and, and just make sure that everybody breathing has an encouragement to come and enjoy. It's a much easier way to check out how much God loves you. And we are not going to rest as a church. If you want to hang with us, you are welcome to hang with us. doesn't matter what stripe you are, what color you are, what political party you are. We don't care. What we care about is that everybody breathing knows how much God loves them and has an opportunity to respond to that in the gospel. And so rather than trying to get young people to put their phones down, which if you're a parent, you know 
will give you brain damage. We rather than use their phones to try to point them to God, try to point them to Jesus Christ. And so that's, that's the whole message of, of the iPhone series. So um, to get ready for next week, um, to get ready for our campus service, I want to ask you a question. What do you think or feel when you see a crowd of people? Now, I know that many of you moved to Gunnison so you wouldn't ha- have to deal with crowds of people. I get that. I get that. But what do you think and feel when you see a crowd? Let's get more personal. What do you think or feel when you see a person or a crowd who you perceive cannot have a direct or personal benefit to you? What do you think or feel when you see that person or that crowd that can have no direct or personal benefit to you? Well, let's take a look at what Jesus thinks and, and feels when, when he sees that. Okay. We're going to Matthew chapter nine. When he saw the crowds now real quick, who he, yes, a plus Jesus. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had, what's that word? Compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now, Jesus was not only into crowds, Jesus was a crowd magnet. Jesus was a rock store before they had rock, right? Jesus, uh, if there was a crowd, chances are Jesus was in the middle of it, right? And so we have a crowd. This past week, 450 freshmen descended upon Western for orientation. That's a crowd. That's a crowd. Just to give you perspective, 450 is the number of people who need to be in one checkout line at Safeway before they open a second checkout. Okay? Just saying. I love our Safeway peeps, but part of that is true. Don't be holding Ben and Jerry's, right? Bring a sandwich. It's going to take a while. Bring two. You can sell one. That's a crowd. They're going to be joined this week, probably today, by 1,600 plus undergraduates, right? Students, some of whom had their parents years ago pray over them, dedicate them. Some never had that blessing. We don't care whether they were brought up in the church, whether they whether they're new to this whole idea of a God who loves them and has a plan for their lives, wants to rescue them. Jesus sees this. Jesus sees this. He sees a crowd and what does he feel? What does he think? Does he think this is a hassle? This is more to do. I want to move somewhere where there's not a crowd. No. What does he feel? He feels compassion. He feels compassion. His heart goes out to him. Now in the Greek, this word is the strongest word that can be used for an emotional engagement, for empathy. His heart literally goes out to them. He sees them. He sees beyond their confident and polished exteriors, and he sees their deepest needs. And he wants and he longs to meet those needs. And he he has pity and love and compassion for them. He's willing to lay down in traffic to rescue them. Better yet, he's willing to lay down on a cross to rescue them, to set them free. And in fact, he did. And rose again so that they might have new life. Not the the best version of of a life that is ever-increasing death. That is the message of the gospel, of the resurrection, of the love of Christ. And we want to make sure that they know that. He sees them as harassed and helpless. He sees them as harassed. What does that mean? Discouraged and burdened, weighted down, troubled. He sees underneath that confident exterior to the deepest needs. And he sees them as helpless 
helpless. And that's how God sees us without him. He sees us as helpless. So in all this talk about self-actualization and all the money, the time, and the effort that we put into self-improvement, you and I by ourselves cannot change our hearts from darkness to light, from death to life. He alone could do that. And Jesus now continues to see all of us, you, me, them, everyone, without him as utterly helpless. And he is the help that has come to bring light, to bring life, to bring restoration to the people that he created us to be in him. So how does Jesus see us without him? He sees us as sheep without a shepherd. Sheep without a shepherd. And that is vulnerable. Vulnerable, right? We have a two-pound dog named Keish. I should say Shree has a two-pound dog named Keish, who when I'm gone, I think tells her, hey, we'd be happier without the fat guy. Right? Right? It would be like our two-pound dog, Keish. It would be like me spreading bacon grease all over Keish and setting her free to go run outside. Which, for the record, get this on the podcast, I have never done. I have dreamed about. I have threatened. But I have never done. Because I know... She wouldn't make it across our backyard before she became lunch for a fox or an eagle or a rabbit. Anything. Sheep without a shepherd are vulnerable. We're vulnerable. We're walking not just in a physical world, but a spiritual world. And those who are not walking in Jesus Christ are so vulnerable. And he sees him as sheep without a shepherd. And how does he feel? Does he feel frustrated? Does he feel angered? No. He feels love and compassion. But being sheep without a shepherd isn't just keeping us from the bad and the dangerous. It is missing out on tremendous blessing of of finding Jesus as our good shepherd. Right? And that's what he's aching about too. All the beauty, all the wonder, all the blessing that he's prepared for people that they miss out on. Just looking at at Psalm 23, here are the things that if you don't find Jesus, if they don't find Jesus as their good shepherd, they're missing out on. They're not satisfied. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If the Lord ain't your shepherd, that's all you do is want. And keep thinking that more of the thing that hasn't satisfied you in the past is somehow going to satisfy you in the future. Green pastures and still waters. Sorry, he leads us there. We can't find them on our own. We keep thinking the grass is greener and the water sweeter somewhere else. And in following him, that's where we find. They miss out on soul restoration. He restores my soul. More than more money, more than good health, more than a plan for our life. What we need is our souls to be restored. That's what the good shepherd does. He restores my soul. And people without that miss out on that. Comfort for the fear in the dark valley. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. If I don't know your love, if I don't know your presence, if I don't know that you're with me, then I should fear the dark valley, even if I don't. And they don't have to. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Not frustration, not stress, not the heartbreak of self-loathing. Goodness and mercy follow me. And they're missing out on that. And the, the worst of all is what David finished that psalm with that benefit and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Even though I live in Gunnison, even though I'm standing here in this building, because Jesus dwells in me, because Jesus dwells in some of you, you have that always comfort, that always welcome home, 
that always safety, security, love of knowing that in your heart of hearts, you dwell in the hidden place of God. Not just as you walk this earth, but as you take your last breath here and your first breath with him, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. People who do not find Jesus as their good shepherd are spiritually homeless and it breaks his heart because he loved them and loves them regardless of their past. And he longs for them to find life in a saving relationship with him. And that's what we should long for too. So what do we do about this? Jesus has compassion on the crowds. We need to too. What do we do about it? We go back to Mark, the verses 37, 38. Here we are. And Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers, well, they're few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into, what's that? His harvest. And I was convicted by this. It's like I'm praying. I'm, I'm like pleading with God for the harvest, right? For the, for the people. And I, I'll continue to do that. But he said, look, I want you to pray for the church. That harvest is mine. I am already at work on the hearts and minds of people who want nothing to do with me because I want everything to do with them. I am already keeping them up at night. I am already planting seeds of dissatisfaction with life as usual. I am already communicating in words without sound my great love for them and the hole in them that was reserved for me and that they will feel empty until it's filled with me. You pray for the church that that harvest might be reaped, that people who love me might go to those who I love, who don't know to love me yet, and help. He's saying, Houston, we have a problem. We have a huge harvest. When Jesus sees harassed people, helpless people, he doesn't see something he wants to get away from. He sees harvest, and we need to too. We will have a crowd, God willing. It's his harvest. The question is, will his people pray earnestly for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest? Will we pray earnestly this week? Some of us without food, some of us other ways, just plead that God would do all that God wants to do in and through his people to reach the people he wants to be his people who don't know of his love who don't know the sacrifice, who don't know that real life only comes through the author of life. Who don't know that they can be forgiven and washed clean and unburdened and, and set free. And so we ask, that's, that's our assignment. This week we're going to pray earnestly for the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. And if we're going to pray that honestly, and we're going to pray that earnestly, then we we have to consider becoming part of the answer to that prayer ourselves. And Isaiah wrote in the sixth chapter, the prophet in the Old Testament, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Right? Isn't that weird? In the Old Testament, it sounds like we have several gods. It's a conversation. No, it's the pre-Bethlehem triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, eternally existing together in relationship, calling everyone else into relationship. Do you see that? Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then Isaiah says, then I said, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. I pray you send many, but send me. Sign me up. Sign me up. Why is this so urgent? And then we'll close. Anybody who has done any farming or been near any agriculture, you know what happens 
when a harvest is not collected, when trees are not picked, when it is not gathered, what happens? It spoils on the vine or on the field or on the tree. And that's a shame when we're talking about Palisade peaches. But it's absolutely tragic when we're talking about people. And we're talking about people who are so valuable that Jesus traded his life for theirs and would for any one of them and did. So we have an opportunity. And going to the harvest is not a burden. It's a blessing. Every time, you know, scripture uses harvest to to talk about times of joy, times of rejoicing, times of great blessing. When when the fruit and the harvest and the wheat is brought in and the storehouse is full and all God's people are home. And look, if, if you're my age or older, then you might know this feeling. But even if you have a great marriage, and I pray that you do, transitioning to becoming an empty nester, that's hard business. It's hard. And Sheree and I went through that. And I remember years ago when Tommy and Quincy were both in college and they would come home for the summer and they would be sleeping in their bedrooms under my roof, God's roof, right? My family would finally once again be home and I would stand like a dork in a dark kitchen and jump up and down praising God because my family was home and I believe that God does the same thing in a much cooler way but I plead with you let's Give God reason to dance, reason to jump, because his kids are home. But Jesus said, that doesn't depend on the harvest. I've taken care of the harvest. The harvest is mine. I'm the Lord of the harvest. Will my people let me be Lord of the church? Will they be most like me when they spend their lives for people who do not know me? Or people who know me who are going into an environment that will challenge everything that I have shown them, everything that I've told them. Will my people hear my call and say, that's me, here I am, send me. Sign me up. I I pray that we will. And so literally, this is our response time. We have a chance next week for for next week to come up and and sign your name. We need, um, we we are overwhelmed with volunteers. We We got travel, we got trucks, we got set up, we got takedown, we got that all taken care of, right? We still need some, uh, some more people to bring side dishes, food, desserts, things like this. That's what this one's about. It's over here, okay? If you want to do that, like young people and food, they go together. They do, okay? Right there. Um, this one. I don't have a lot of Western people here, but I want Western people, okay, on this one. I'm going to leave this one here. This is the raffle. Okay, we're giving away uh, an iPhone 7. I would like to have two Western women and two Western men um, giving out those and taking care of that raffle. Okay, because I want the people who are there to, um, to meet you, to have a conversation, right? And, and we're going to take their digits and all of that. Um, on these, we're going to, so I only need four here. Here is the big one. It's called Adopt a Student. This was birthed um, last semester when, when we had a conversation about what are the greatest needs in our community. And we're going to be unfolding more ways to meet them. But at the 1030 service, we did a dialogue message, which, you know, can you ever stop talking? I did that week, right? And we listened. The overwhelming thing that came out of the 1030 service was isolation. 
isolation. These people with hundreds, maybe thousands of Facebook friends, always surrounded by people, still felt isolated. They need a family away from family. They need a home away from home. They need refrigerator rights in your house. They need a couch. They need free mom and dad advice. They need to know there's a family. There are are parents praying for them, encouraging them, loving them, pointing them, cheering for them, interceding for them in deep community. And I'll tell you what this looks like. I will tell you what happens. The families that have already done this with Students, and it's got to be willingness on both sides, have been more blessed than anybody I can point to. You talk to the drums. They got to know Lindsay Weaver. She moved in. She moved in. We had a girl move in with us. We left town, right? Quincy, she couldn't be any more different than our daughter. They spent the first day not talking to each other. Then they became fast friends. She's one of her bridesmaids. They have blessed the little kids and the parents and them. You're not taking the place of their family. You're just giving them a taste that God's family is big and it's beautiful and it's loving and it's encouraging and it's strong and it's warm and it's here. This is what I need. I need families. I need kids who'll say, people who'll say, yep, I'll do that. I'll do that. I need you. God's calling. Now, here's the thing. Some people, some young people won't do this unless they can do it with their roommate or their sweet mate or their best friend. I ain't doing that creepy people alone. So if you're willing to have more than one, then we're going to match you up with people who won't do it alone, okay? This, this is the big deal. This is going to bear fruit, not, not just next week, but the weeks after and for eternity. Maybe you're here, maybe you're here and you're saying that thing that those parents were praying over those kids, that's what I want. I didn't have that. Or I walked away from that. The thing that Jesus saw, harassed and helpless, the sheep without a shepherd. That's me. And I, I don't want that anymore. I want you, Jesus, alive and living inside me, forgiving me. I want to surrender. If that's you, then this clipboard is not what you need. Although, you know, we'll be grateful for it. I need you to come forward, talk to me, talk to Josh or Amanda back there. They'll pray with you. We're uh, these folks right here. They'll pray with you. Let's do this. Let's get on our feet. Let's move. Let's say, here I am. Send me. It's your harvest. Enjoy awaits. I love you.